0: this is the ridge hunter outdoors podcast hey everybody this is episode 18 i'm canyon clark here with nate burgess scott clark and jeff fry we got the full crew back tonight we were going to have a guest on tonight, but had some stuff come up. So we're going to do that next week. So we'll still have him come on. It'll just be next week. We're looking forward to that still. I, know I was looking forward to getting to talk to him tonight. So we'll get to talk to him next week and pick his brain about some public land stuff and some big timber stuff because that's what he mostly does. Um, and I, know, um, I feel like I'm probably the one with the most public land experience here. As far as deer hunting goes, and that's very, very limited. So <laughs> it would take someone other than us to tell you about that. So we're gonna use him for that as a resource to talk about that next week. But for now, for this week, um since we were planning on having him in, I didn't go through and pick an article out. But I think it'd be a good time to talk about um what we're doing now that the season's over. Uh it's it's closed up pretty much everywhere. And what we're doing as far as maybe we'll talk a little bit about shed hunting. We'll talk about running cameras, maybe how long you're going to run them. If you run them all year, what you're using that for? Going in and doing some postseason scouting while the sign's still fresh, um, and then starting to put the plan together for next season. Because uh, as soon as the other this season ends, you know you're looking forward to next year. At least I am, and that's what we do. And um, we got a couple people lined up, a few people lined up that are already thinking about that too. So. Um, First off, Nate, we were just talking about it. You got a few pictures of hardhorn, I mean hardhorn, of antlered bucks still. They haven't all dropped them. Yeah. Um, a couple smaller bucks, younger bucks, but Those were made monster
1: eight-pointers right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they were just uh, probably two- and three-year-olds. Um, I hadn't had any buck pictures in uh, weeks, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but uh, I have had a lot of doe pictures. Oh, that one cold snap we had a couple weeks ago. Uh, had a great big doe herd that was moving through that draw, uh, in front of that one cell cam heading out to that winter wheat field. I sound like a broken record there. They keep going out there, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then these bucks tonight, uh, they were, oh, what, 30 minutes before dark, they were going out there is what it looked like. Uh, so yeah, down there, they're in the thick cover approaching that winter wheat field. Uh, is what they've been doing. Uh, mm-hmm. but I had a couple of young bucks make it. Yeah.
0: I went Sunday for the last time, last day of our season and killed a doe, but, Uh, Sunday, sitting there, and then going in the next morning and uh, getting that doe, I saw a lot of deer running through in daylight Um, when I was getting her out, 9.30 in the morning, they were moving through there, so Uh, not any big bucks, saw some younger bucks like what you're seeing, so that was good to see, and then I pulled my camera and had some deer from about a week ago working licking branch still, so as i kind of a testament to those things working all year round and the scrapes and stuff but uh, and then jeff you were talking about even seeing a
2: a nice buck on the way home tonight yeah i out in the cornfield a bunch of does and he's probably uh a good quarter more off the road and i just happened to look over and seen the does and he picked his head up and he he was he was a dandy Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah he's one that would be on my hit list if i could hunt right. that area which i can't but i'd okay. sure like to yep um
0: well the reason i kind of point that out is obviously not all the bucks have lost their antlers yet and they're but in the next uh what three four weeks most of them will be gone there, there are like some this, dropping
3: this is the f- maybe the first year i rem- i can remember uh, this past weekend was a late season which is antlerless only uh, I can't remember not getting in a buck that had already dropped its mm-hmm. antlers. This is the first year that we didn't get a buck that had already dropped. <laughs> that, that, so I don't know if they're running late this year for some reason, but typically you're, you would see a mixture, some horn, some not, and I, and I don't know.
0: Yeah, and there have been some. I've seen guys posting on stuff. I haven't seen any personally. I did make sure the doe that I shot double checked her head before I shot her but um I have saw some guys posted on social and stuff that there's some deer starting to drop and I know some had heard from guys you know even a couple weeks ago where they were dropping so there's going to be some out there but uh, it might be a little bit early yet to start shed hunting but if you're out there scouting it might not be a bad idea to keep your eye out but uh, before we get into the scouting part of it, while we're on the shed hunting, because that will be in the next few weeks, and I don't know how much we'll get to talk about that, depending on who we've got on and and what we're talking about. But what about in the past? You guys been some of the best places for finding sheds where you had made the most success, maybe?
3: betting areas, yeah. um Wherever your mom goes, because I can't find them. <laughs> yeah.
1: I normally wander aimlessly and trip over them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I have stepped on two different horns in my life uh, while I was shit hunting that I did not see until I stepped on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, seriously unlucky uh, or not good at shit hunting.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of find that with myself too. I we I know some guys that you know them too that do pretty good at it. So maybe oh, we, yeah. maybe we'll try to have them on in a few weeks. But yep. um
2: Jeff. Yeah, I know you found a few over the years at least. I. I found several, and then my ex-wife decided to use them for arts and crafts. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> I had quite a collection at one time. To clarify, that's not why she's the ex-wife, but... <laughs> no, but still, you know, <laughs> it happened. Probably didn't help things. No, it didn't help nothing. So let's just say my collection of sheds diminished <laughs> during the divorce. <laughs> but, but no, uh, <laughs> all kidding aside... You know I'd always focus on betting areas, and i would i, I would never go until uh, usually about last week of February, first week of march mm-hmm. and then from March first on through the whole month of March, is where i'd uh focus most of my attention and i had a I had a lab you know and I mm-hmm. trained him and stuff and, you know he wasn't the best at it, but he would you know find some for me that I couldn't see but we'd always concentrate on bedding areas and then i'd go from bedding areas to what i knew was travel corridors from bedding to food sources yeah. you know late winter food sources and I always had a lot of success with that yep. i think you hunt sheds a lot you know similar to the way you hunt the bucks because right. obviously they're going to fall off where the bucks are
0: so but the thing you can do with shed hunting is you can go right into their bedroom and right. find those sheds where yeah. you're not going to go sit in their bedroom and hunt them but that's a good place to start. And then not only that, um, even if, like you said, you're just wandering aimlessly and you happen to trip over them, take note of that, and then that's a pretty good tool for next year where mm-hmm. those bucks are using, maybe where they're bedding. If you find a shed in a spot and there's a couple beds around, some rubs and stuff, obviously that's there's a really good chance that's where he was staying. No. Same thing with the travel corridors. If you
2: find sheds along those. It's there's a pretty a,
0: good indication they've been using them pretty frequently.
2: I have... I have four areas on my list that even though I don't hunt them for deer, I know that if I go there about the second or third week of March, you know, yearly, I will find sheds in those, in those areas because I know that's where the bucks bed. They bed there all the time every year, you know, and I just know that about the second or third week of March, go there and you'll find some sheds and...
3: So I got a question for you, Nate. You you're running cell cams, mm-hmm. and you do you keep them up all year? No, I don't. You put them um, and take them down. Yep. When do you take them down?
1: Um, normally mid February. Okay. Uh, normally, yeah. Uh, mainly because I just want don't want to pay for the subscription. Okay. Um, year round.
3: Well, but what I was getting at was, so, are if you see the bucks that you're after, say you've got a target buck or two in the fall and maybe during the rut, and there's you got them patterned and all that. I was wondering what I was getting at was if you were using your cell cameras to say, okay, here's my target buck, and today he's got antlers, and and okay, next day he's only got one, the day after I he didn't have any. Hey, I know. Maybe oh I can, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you'd ever tried that or ever thought about that or, uh, or no. if they don't use that same pattern or what.
1: Yeah, I hadn't been smart enough until right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, I mean that that would that work. You know,
3: if the bucks kept the same pattern throughout the, from, you know, what you're looking at in, in hunting season till now, and and maybe they don't, I don't know.
1: Um, As long as you had, as long as you had a cell camera, wherever he's at right now, you know, wherever he wants to be right now, that
3: should work. Which is, is not, you don't think it's the same place as it was, say in late November when he's...
1: A lot of times mine move. They really do. A lot of times mine, and of course I don't have too much... Well Once.
3: we've uh, you know, we've got ground. You've heard Kenyon talk about the cabin. Yeah, they don't stay there either. Yeah. They they still they just don't. Yeah. They're moving in and out of there, but you couldn't say, Okay, he's gonna come by here today the same thing as he did in November. It's not gonna
1: happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I call the sprout patch, uh it's just a creek. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of ash sprouts. Of course they're all dead now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably thirty probably thirty foot tall trees. Um, just, nah. all as big around as my arm to my leg, you know. But they'd stay in that thicket and then along that creek Uh, but it it slopes it's a east-facing hill real thick down there that's where they all go in the winter uh, to try to stay out of the winter Uh, the the wind and the weather right but yeah they all go down there and I've never had a cell cam down there yet uh, because I don't have food plots down there Um, I want to change that but yeah you could totally use a cell cam uh, you know to figure out when he's dropped and then also uh, hopefully it give you an indication maybe even which direction he might have went and dropped you mm-hmm.
2: know yeah well, i'm still old school i don't have cell cams so i'm not up on all that but i still use the the regular uh <laughs> sd card. cards you know and stuff <clears throat> and you can use the camera i've left up until this year I I took my camera down early this year because I'm next to public ground and you know a lot of stuff going on. And I just I don't know. I felt uneasy about it this year, but when I was on private ground where <clears throat> I didn't have to worry about it, that is a useful tool. You can go in there and you can say, okay, uh, like Scott said, this day the buck had horns, or, you know, both both antlers. Uh, you know, a week later, okay, he's only got one and a week later okay he's only got he doesn't have any and so you kind of know he's in that area and you can go through there and it's kind of a key time to know that you know start let's start looking for his antlers if that's the buck that you're wanting to find Mm -hmm. and not only that buck but other bucks that you know may not be your target buck but you know if you're like me i just love finding sheds it's just
1: you know it gets you excited
2: it it does it does um I think, well, you're talking about
0: taking those cameras down, and like you, Nate, you're probably on this already. Um, maybe you thought about it, maybe just coincidence when you take them down, but if you can keep those cameras up but you don't want to run them all year, like you said, whether you don't want to pay for the scrip- subscription for the extra few months or whether you're uneasy about leaving them up all year because someone might come in or whether you don't want to run batteries through them all year, I think the best time probably to take them down would be after you see those bucks drop their antlers because it's going to allow you this time of year to still take an inventory and see who's left, Mm -hmm. what bucks you got left on your property until they drop your antlers and then you can't tell anyway. Yep. So if you're going to take them down and not run them all year, which I don't either, I think a good time to start looking at taking them down is after you see those bucks drop them anyway. Yeah. And then you can still use it for uh, finding those sheds, potentially, if you got the bucks like that.
2: I always uh, took mine down the last March. Yeah. When I was on private ground. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good time. I I hated to take mine down already, but I just... Yeah. Right. Well, I, know, I just felt
3: uneasy about leaving it up this yeah. long. Unless you're in a situation like Nate, where your cameras aren't where they're going to be this time of year anyway, because mm-hmm. they're moving in a different area. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're not going to see that those bucks you're probably wanting to look at anyway. Yep.
1: And that's yep. a
0: good point to hit on there because everything like where you're finding the sheds now <coughs> this time of year, and then. Where you're seeing them on the camera, and then when you're going and do your postseason scouting right now, because a lot of that sign's still fresh and everything, and you can see it, that doesn't necessarily mean that's where the deer are going to be next time the rut comes around next year. Uh, a lot of times, deer will have similar patterns from the early season to the late season, depending on the property. Um, a lot of times, they may have three different patterns from early season, depending on how big your property is and, and what kind of diversity you have. but. For sure what you see now and what you see on those cameras or don't see will give you a good idea at least where they're going to be next year at this time in the late season um, and where you find those sheds. Like I said, it, they're probably going to have a different range between the rut and the late season as we all know. They're going to use different different places. You get those some of those homebody bucks that are going to stay generally in the same area. But a lot of times they'll have their early season pattern until the pre-rut kicks in and then they'll start setting their rut range and dominance there and then after that they will go into the late their late winter pattern and like i said you can use what you're seeing on the camera now maybe not necessarily set yourself up for the next rut but definitely what they're doing late season mm-hmm.
2: and that's that's the thing where uh the cameras come into play for me is because i normally don't get to hunt the peak of the rut i get to hunt you know early october pre-rut and then i hunt post-run late season and so yeah it's great seeing them during the rut on the camera and stuff i i still use it i have my camera up there wherever i can but also i use that to tell me what's going on during the times the periods that i can hunt and so it's a great tool to use and i really like it after gun season because it tells me okay you know these are what bucks are left yeah you know and because you know naturally during gun season i'm pre, i'm elsewhere mm-hmm. i can't be out hunting so and that gives me a kind of like an inventory of what's left do i want to spend my time here or mm-hmm. do i need to go somewhere else yep and so and then, and there's there's a lot of uses for cameras besides just you know keeping track of A deer or your target buck or whatever, it kind of gives you an idea of what's going on in that, in your hunting area at any given time.
0: Yeah. And that's, as far as leaving them up, that's valuable information year over year because the deer are generally going to fall back into the same pattern as long as they weren't killed if they're in that same area. Mm -hmm. So what you saw this year, we've talked about this before, is likely what they're going to be doing next year around the same time. So you don't even necessarily have to go week by week with that, which you can do. It's a good way to do it. But you can look at it for next year even yeah. and, and say, okay, this is where I need to be, adjust where I was, whatever, for next season coming up. And I use the cameras for that as much as anything. And then this time of year, collecting all that data and information on the deer, where they're going, when they're there, and then using it for next year. Uh, there's some places like the cabin that it doesn't do me any good to worry about particular bucks for the next season because rarely do I have the same buck there over next year because the way it's set up now, it's more of just a travel corridor during the rut for them to come and check hot dough. So there's not necessarily that holdover of bucks, but on a piece like uh, up at Tubbsy's, I can see, okay, there's this many bucks here, and then next year, I can see if there's, you know, there's still that same amount of bucks, but where they're using this stuff, there's generally some holdover there up on that property, year to year, as long as they don't get killed, where they're gonna be back. So I can use this year's information to help me you know be better next year
2: and if you're like me hunting next to public ground it's like okay well crap this buck didn't make it Mm -hmm. you know i ain't seen him since shotgun season so i'm not going to focus my attention on trying to find him anymore and so i'm going to try to you know find a different target buck
0: and then that even if you're if you're beside public ground or you're hunting public ground if you're running cameras on it may give you an idea of what time of year that the ground's getting a lot of pressure because you'll start to see a change in the deer or you'll start to see less deer on the camera in general. Like if it comes to the the second week of November and then your camera's just dead, probably a good indication you need to be getting in there before then and hunting those deer. And that's similar with gun season too, even on private property, you'll be able to see how much difference that, how much pressure you're really getting around here, how much difference gun season Mm -hmm. is making, whether it's you're not seeing any more deer, maybe you're seeing more deer because they're getting pushed onto your property after gun season. But that's definitely, all that stuff I think goes into running your camera still even yet this time of year, even though obviously you can't say, "Well, oh man, my target buck's in my food plot, I'll go hunt him tomorrow, because the season's over, but use that information for next year. And then with that goes into like the postseason scouting, um, which we'll talk a little bit about what this time of year, what you're doing um, as far as getting out there and walking, whether it is shed hunting or even now, is you just want to get out there and see while the sign's still fresh um what are some things nate that you're looking for this time of year i mean if you go out say you go out there and walk just getting started for next year what are you looking at particularly anything or just whatever stands out or
1: uh you can you can i always felt like you could gauge uh kind of where the buck activity was uh late season and now the postseason new versus old rubs you know i mean you can tell if it's a rub from this year but it's you know he didn't make it any time recently like you guys talked last week you had a buck a decent buck come in uh that was still rutting mm-hmm. you know yes uh probably chasing doe fawns or just those that he that had consistently been missed mm-hmm. um, he's still going to be rubbing somewhere you know um so those very few bucks that are out there that would have still been rutting you would know, still be rubbing you know sure. when he's trying to yeah, tend right, those right. does so that, that'd give you an idea of where he's at late season you know if he is still rubbing or course they're going to rub a bunch early season you'll find a bunch of those real old rubs you know Mm -hmm. um but then uh uh, of course food sources you know uh you can see where they've been hitting them if there's a bunch of browse pressure um and uh gosh thickets i just uh, for me everything that i've got they're just buried in the thickets this time of year you know Uh, scrapes you can see old scrapes old licking branches you know where they've got them twisted off and stuff uh but yeah i uh, i intend to do what i call the sprout patch i intend to do a lot of work down there this year mm-hmm. so i intend to walk it several times and uh really rack my brain to see if i can figure out a good plan for down there yeah
0: and this is a great time of year to be doing that because you can see everything yep. trails and, are beat down yeah you know? and you can see that old sign and there's not a bunch of undergrowth you can still see where the the real thick undergrowth is because mm-hmm. the branches and stuff are still there but it's dead so you can see through the woods still yep you know and all that good stuff so uh
1: you should have a bunch of beds you should be able to find you know Mm -hmm. uh all the leaves of course have been off for uh at least two months you know um you'll be able to see all the beds where they got everything smashed down you know Mm -hmm. uh you can learn a lot this time of year
0: yeah Uh, the trails is a big one for me if you remember the one we went on down south last year just south of here um went on a client property and was looking at his place and is late january early february maybe Um, that sounds right yeah you could see we figured out where his deer were moving through during the season there were just trails beat down like highways and then we could see where um where they were using his neighbors at if you remember that trail yeah um, yeah it was like a hog path
3: yeah yeah yeah
0: and where they were going in and feeding on his neighbor who had a food plot program set up and some corn out there and stuff um so you could see we kind of were able to set him up for the next season based on what we were seeing
3: this time of year and the trails were a lot to do with that rub lines and stuff yeah remember. he was concerned his neighbor had some food like canyon said food plot set up and some corn along the edges and things you want to do it, it looked like oh he didn't get on his property it looked like he was doing it right and the client canyon head was concerned that he was taking his deer from him well he wasn't necessarily taking the deer from him um, he was actually enhancing this client's property we just had to kind of get him to look at that in a different light that no he's not stealing your deer they're just running over there to feed and then if you can enhance, enhance them to come over here and still bed on your property you've got the best of both worlds yeah you don't have to maintain a food plot you just have to stay the hell out of their bed <laughs> you know <laughs> and i ain't kidding you there was a path they had beat down that was probably three or four inches deep <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Yep. It looked like a, a hog. A Deep hog enough, bed. it was holding water in yes. a couple places. Yeah. <laughs> from from that guy's food plot area over to his bed, over to Canyons, across the road into the client's yeah. uh, property. So... No, you don't have to worry about him stealing your deer. You just need to worry about you know. Let's yep. let's see what we can do to keep him here and, yep. and you to not run them off. Right. And uh, I think we. I think he finally realized. That. I think he realized that because Canyon kind of put together a plan for him, and I, I think he was uh, trying to maintain that plan. Mm-hmm. Best time. I I'll right, have back there
2: with you a few months after that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it even
3: wouldn't. even in late
2: spring, early summer, I mean, the sign was still there. I mean, it yep. was just you'd have to be blind or not knowing what you was looking at to not know what was going on
0: and, and I remember on the north side of that property too, there was a really good rub line. So there was a couple different directions of travel they were using because the rub line ran east and west and the trail we're talking about ran north and south. And there was even one down in the bottom in the middle of that property that ran east and west too. So you could get in there that time, this time of year, and even like you said, later into the spring still yet, and get a really good idea
3: of what's going on during the fall and then kind of tailor what food plot to the south and then he had road hunters on the west side (laughs) and road (laughs) hunters on the north side so you know if he could keep the deer in there that's where they wanted to be because you know there was a yeah it was like a hillbilly highway on the on the west side of that according to him I, i don't know but yeah. I'm satisfied. Clearly. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. I didn't doubt the man. Yeah, but.
0: And we, well, like I said, we dream up a plan, and he was working on it last year, and I think he's going to – he didn't do everything last year. I think he's working his way into it this year too, and I'm curious to see what what all he'll get done as far as finishing it up this year and then seeing what he does this, this next coming fall. Because um, like anything, once you get in there and start doing this stuff, it's a process, so whatever you see and draw that plan up, Know what you can get done in a year and then have reasonable expectations for what's going to happen because as soon as you do anything, it's going to change. And you're going to have to wait and see what those changes are, and then you might have to adjust. You might have the perfect plan put together in your mind for based on what you're seeing this year or this sign we're talking about, but as soon as you go in there and change, you know, put in food, put in some different cover for them, it's going to change stuff. So then you're going to may have to make some small adjustments come the next year. Um, And then the next year after that you'll start seeing improvement it's not a one-year thing you can definitely come in and there's some properties that are so gone the other way you can come in and make a huge difference in a year but it's still going to take years to see consistently bucks using the property
2: well take that take that property of mine for example you know there was a drastic change done within them yeah. a couple months time yep you know it was clear it basically clear cut pretty much you know and so the deer went from being there to feeding on white oaks to we don't have a food source so they disappeared right but then it took it a year year and a half almost two years to okay now the deer's got cover there you know so now they're starting to use it for a little bit of a bedding area especially the does and fawns so then we started trying to put food plots inside, you know, on the, um, what am I trying to say? Logging trails, mm-hmm. you know, to attract the deer and hold them for a little bit, and they started using that. Now our next step is, you know, I, there's a three-acre opening you know, on the one end of the woods, so we're mm-hmm. gonna put that into a food plot to try to hold him more does and fawns there and maybe attract, start attracting bucks there because you know you get a bigger feeding plot like that that you're not hunting well then the bucks will come in and start checking for does and stuff during the rut so you know it's not something that's going to happen you make a change the deer is not going to adapt you know overnight mm-hmm. it, it's a process and I, I i have a lot of hopes for this here in the next Year or two, and it's been a process over the last four years. Yeah,
0: and you can speed up what you're trying to do if you go in and and do your scouting this time of year and base it off that, because you can change a deer their activity um, as much as they'll allow it. So if you have a let's say you have a north south land property, it's not it's a lot longer than it is wide, and you've got a trail running up the west side of it, north and south, and then on the east side of it you've got no deer activity but you have this nice open spot where man that'd be a good place to put food let's say this property's i don't know 20 acres uh well let's say it's 100 acres and it's wide enough that you know they're not gonna go way out of their way across the whole property so if you go in just because that's a good little clear spot and put your food over there you're not necessarily gonna draw them from the west side all the way over to that food just because that's where the clear spot was if you go in now and you see okay you can see that trail that's on the west side go in and do the little bit extra work put your food closer to that trail and you're going to have more change in a year than you would have trying to force them all the way across the other side of
3: that property i think you see some changes Uh, smaller properties which you know a lot of people around here don't don't have 40 60 80 120 acres to hunt and they're hunting in the middle of it they may have 10 acres here five acre patch here 15 over there scout that now do your posts but but in the springtime drive around look and see what's going on in your smaller plots what your neighbors are doing will affect you a whole lot more than in your bigger plots if you've only got 10 acres and the neighbors got 10 acres and the deer come from your neighbors over to your place and all of a sudden there's a double wide going in in the middle of that 10 acres that's gonna change what happens to you and there's nothing you can do about what he's doing but you just need to be aware of the changes that he's made might might change your plan totally uh, especially you know and obviously there's nothing going to be going on in the winter time but that's when you need to get out around your property even in the spring if you don't turkey hunt or whatever if you don't mushroom hunt you get out there anyway and look and see what your neighbors are doing especially around your smaller plots because that can change i mean they may put in oh i don't know a sawmill right <laughs> yeah yeah um, you know
0: and that what you're saying about those smaller properties you can make them hunt bigger if you take those things into account if your neighbor has if your neighboring property is a 60 acre grain field you don't need to worry about putting five acres of corn on your 10 acre property mm-hmm. make it a bedding, make a bedding area on five acres of that property. Keep the deer there during the daylight, put you a small little food plot between them and the and the corn, you know, just for example. Um, maybe your neighbors have really good bedding on one side and on the complete opposite side is that ag field or that big destination food field. Then you want to put maybe a couple food plots on your 10 acre property and you're going to be able to see how they're using that property if you go scout that now based on the trails and stuff. And then like you said, driving around seeing what your neighbors are doing, and even the same as while you're walking your property this time of year and you can see everything, you can see so much more from the road this time of year because there's no vegetation. So even just driving around, man, you can see a lot of what's going on. And most of the corn's out, uh, or even if they left it for a food plot by this time, some of it's getting knocked down, it's getting pretty sparse in the middles of it and stuff, so you can see through there and see what they got going on. Stuff you can't see from an aerial because they've done it in the last year. Then you can get an idea of, what I need to be doing to my property to make it better and on those on those small properties you can't have everything that a deer is going to need and even on a 300 acre property you're probably not going to be able to have everything that a deer needs 400 500 acres even on that size of property but especially on the small ones you can see you can make a hunt bigger by seeing what you have around you what you're lacking or what you do have already how they're using it and then go in on one thing that's going to help you the most not don't bite off more than you can chew on a small property
1: also if you got a drone or a buddy with a drone likes to fly it you get out there you can stand on you and you can fly around uh hundreds of yards off of your property you know it ain't illegal to fly over him right exactly Um, and you can see uh you know what he might have for food plots you know Mm -hmm. uh, a ways away what he's got on the other side of his place like you're saying if you can't see that from the road
0: yeah that's a great tool too and we've actually going to start using that on our consultations too because it is such a great thing that get up there and see what what not only what they have going on on their property but what's going on around them yeah um, and what maybe improvements have been made that aren't on google maps or google earth you can see it real time see everything that that's up there Um, and on the small property thing there at the cabin i've got some ideas for this year based on what's lacking around there there's not an ag field which is hard to believe around here uh, a mile and a half two miles might be the closest one in any direction as the crow flies because um, I, I drove around this fall with that specific reason because i looked on google maps and thought well that looks like it could be ended up just being a pasture field some of it crp
3: there's a lot of pasture a lot of crp there's yeah. a there's a sawmill that i i think part of that where that sawmill's at actually used to be some ag field which was yeah. uh Half a quarter away, Mm -hmm. it was a pretty decent sized field. So, you know, like I said, things have changed. Um, There's been within that half mile range of that property, there's been at least two new houses, a sawmill, and maybe a pretty good sized barn that's Mm -hmm. that's changed in the last five years. So, and I'm not
0: trying to say that I'm going to go and put a destination food plot on this 10 acres, but if I could get some grain in there. And a little bit different food plot program because most of what they're lacking in that area right now is good food source because the plots i do have man they just tear through them like a mower you know and it's kind of the same same way with your property there jeff um, you got food around you're not necessarily trying to create holding plots for those deer but based on what you have around you is how we're going to attack or how you're going to attack what you've
2: got going on there yeah um, and i i did this back in the past and then uh and it worked out really well for me and i kind of got away from it for i don't even know why it just happened but um you know uh i got a three acre field on the south end of my timber 28 it's just a 20 acre patch altogether you know 17 acres of timber three acres of field but that uh, the south end of it has road border right up against it. I mean, right there. And so what I've always done in the past, and what I'm going to do again this year, or starting this year, I always plant like six or eight rows of corn along, you know, the outside border of the food plot up against the road. Not necessarily for food, but for screening. Mm-hmm. You know, coons and squirrels and whatnot. You know, and, you know, deer's going to eat on it some, too. But, you know, I'd plant that there for screening to protect them from the road. I've got some swish grass, you know, about six foot wide. You know, I'm going to let that grow up again. And then I'll probably plant five or six rows of soybeans, you know, deer beans, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, around there. And then in the middle is where I'm going to put my clover and chicory. Yeah. So I'm not only going to give them food, but I'm going to give them protection and cover from the road and uh, kind of like a sanctuary place for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's worked out well in the past for me, you know, um, gosh, we're talking about eight or ten years ago that I did that. And it worked out really well. I was seeing does and fawns, and then later on I started seeing bucks coming in there, you know, in the midsummer, eating and feeding and stuff, and so... You just got I don't know you just gotta know your property, know what deers there, know what it's gonna to take to protect them and also feed them and make them comfortable for being on your property. yeah,
0: know what the first you gotta know what deer need, right which the biggest two things is food and cover, and then you gotta know what's around you, and you gotta know what you don't have
2: well, also uh where I'm at, you know I've got phew, gosh if you just break it all down there's several thousand acres of uh, agricultural land around me so you're talking you're you know you're talking corn soybeans uh sorghum you know they can go anywhere to get something to eat Mm -hmm. so i want to give them cover along with a different variety of food that's going to like the clover and chicory, mm-hmm. that's going to fulfill their uh, the needs they're not getting. Their from the needs grain. they're not getting from the grain crops. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, something that's going to attract them to come to me. And not only that, I also use minerals. You yeah. know, I'll I'll put mineral licks uh, and that out there for them also. So you know, it, it gives them. I want to give them. I want to know what's going on on my neighbor's property that they're not getting that I can bring them to my property.
0: Yeah. And then we were talking about changes and stuff. And then again, even just seeing this time of year, what's going on. Nate, I know there was pretty considerable change on, as far as going from ag to CRP on some of what you hunt this year, um, you noticed that had a big difference on the way they're moving and stuff. And I think when you get out there and walk it, um, this you know winter, spring, whatever, you're going to really be able to see where they were moving and changing the stuff. Oh, yeah. Either confirm what you already thought or, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, we didn't mow CRP until uh, I think it was the 1st of December. Um, uh, we normally have a guy mow it, and he didn't get to it. He's got a ton of CRP that he's mowing now. Um, he, he didn't get to it until late, so then he mowed it after gun season. Um, and, man, it was just dynamite. It really was, you know. He, uh, he left it standing there and gosh the deer were just everywhere out there in it you know yeah uh, they laid all over it uh, if that's an option for you you know uh, to do it that way uh, you know you, you might be risking mowing it when it's sloppy or something you know uh... in the winter or if you can burn it uh... Right. you know if you could burn it late in the winter uh... if that's an option that that won't change things you know from the way you want it to be uh... but anyway yeah uh, having all that stand crp i feel like was incredibly beneficial this year because i don't have too much cover you Mm -hmm. know on what i got uh and they used it just like they would woods you know yeah Uh, so anyway they stayed out in the crp on those hillsides and stuff uh and it was very beneficial and then like jeff said uh uh, clover and chicory you know next to the ag fields i'm a huge proponent of that Uh, i've been doing that for a long time uh, and it seems like a good success you know yeah they're at least the deer are at least doing what i'm wanting them to do uh, I killing the buck doing it you know that's right. that's, that's where the problem lies uh, but they'll get up they'll come and they'll hit my food plots uh, on their way to those big destination fields you know I guess you'd call it the staging area <laughs> they'll come they'll hit that green plot and they'll go on out and they'll hit the grain you know um, uh, catch them hopefully somewhere where they're moving before dark you know on their way to where they really want to be
0: Yep, yeah, that's a, like what you're talking about and what Jeff's talking about doing with his Uh, because you guys have those food sources close those ag food sources you're essentially just trying to draw them out to where you can hunt them before dark yeah so you're giving them a reason to be there in front of your stand before it gets too late to hunt them
1: yeah um and i've considered planting grain uh some next to uh close anyway next to some ag fields that we got if they got corn out there I'm not going to plant corn. I'm going to plant beans. <laughs> right, you know? right. And if there's beans out there, I'm going to plant corn. Uh, I wouldn't plant what's already out there next to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've considered doing it. But I've had good luck with the green plots so far, you know, uh, being next to the big ag fields. So anyway. I
3: don't know if there's a nutrition in that that they crave or if it's just palatable. Uh, do you know? The like, clover and stuff? Yeah,
0: yeah. There's, uh, they need it to a point, don't they? There's more protein i th- i think it's protein and clover it's it's an unbelievable amount more than it is soybeans or corn mm-hmm. either one because corn is mostly carbs but the amount of nutrients and stuff they get out of a clover and chicory plot is so far exceeds what they can get from a grain field but and i mean do you think that's that why they, the attraction they, is
3: there do you think that they that's why they do that because they know that not that they know what but they yeah i think so partially. Um, their body, their body says they need yeah, it. That's yeah. why they eat it. Yeah. Or if it's just, hey, this this is you know a lot easier on my whatever than. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be both. Maybe the start of it is
0: it's palatable to them, and it's different than what they're used to. It gives them something different, and then on top of that, their body starts to realize that it's better for them, and mm-hmm. they get more stuff out of it. So
1: I thought I'd read somewhere where they needed green uh, for to digest. You know, yes, uh, that they did need it. Uh, so if you can provide them with the best green possible you know hopefully that's what's going to attract them
0: i'll try to find it here real quick while we're on uh, looking at it i wrote an article gosh i don't know it's been over a year ago now on why clover was such a good option for food plots and that's not to say i've actually um, as much as i still like it i this year i've experimented with some other stuff and doing some reading and some research. I do really like the Brassica plot uh, mixed with like a winter rye and and winter wheat. Kind of half and half thing, maybe with some soybeans and some winter peas mixed in too. And I did some of that on my plots this year and the deer just destroyed it. But again, it depends on what your goals are, what your property is like, what it's lacking and all that. I'll try to find here. Um, In this article that I wrote uh, in 2020, a good stand of clover provides up to four tons of highly nutritious f- nutritious forage per acre so there's that in and of itself i mean four tons per acre you don't have to have a very good very big plot for it to feed a lot of deer um and that's part of the reason i'll try to read in through here
3: i know you can't keep a fruit tree on that property
0: <laughs> no no they destroy it both of
3: them <clears throat> instantly
0: yep here we go um On average, deer eat roughly six pounds of forage per day. That comes out to about one ton per year. Additionally, they need about 16% protein in their diet. Most of what they eat only contains about six to eight percent, making a few pounds of clover at 25% protein, a very attractive addition to their diet. So most of the stuff that they're eating is six to eight percent protein, whereas clover is 25% protein. So that's a a huge difference in why, part of the reason why it's so attractive to them. Not only does it palatable, but they need it too. And it does help their digestive system as well. And I don't remember if we talked about this last time. I know I was talking about it with a client the other day. Um, At a certain point, all the carbs and stuff, like the corn, if the deer eat it too late into the season uh, where it's cold, where it gets really cold, if they're eating too much corn, they don't digest it as well and their body doesn't break it down as well. And it'll actually cause them to starve to death. Mm-hmm. Um, it can plug them up and stuff too and it causes a whole lot of issues for them which is why I don't necessarily like feeding corn uh, this time of year and stuff and I'm not a huge fan of having corn food plots if it's going to, late in the season if it's going to be really cold mm-hmm. and not that uh, if you, you can have a, a right amount of it where they're not that's not going to be an issue but if you put too much of it out there for them uh, deer, they'll eat their self to death just like what we've talked about before if there's too many deer in one area they'll eat their self to death by eating everything out I mean they know it tastes good and I mean they'll eat it to the point where they can't digest it or their body doesn't break it down like it's supposed to and then that'll cause issues for them too so adding in that clover and chicory or those brassica plots um, helps the health of your deer herd tremendously uh, even if it's a small amount I mean a half acre is two tons of clover per year at 25 percent protein versus the six to eight they're only getting i mean it's a huge difference just health wise let alone the attraction
3: and what, that's what you're looking for is a healthy herd yeah yeah
1: do you, you think covered this time of year you think cover drives them more than food or you think food drives them more than cover which one are they gonna choose second i over think those two? I, they go or, hand or in hand there, right now yeah is there a way to tell
3: i think cover because you can travel to food
1: yep They'll but you're deal going to with stay in the cover. They'll deal with whatever food they got close to their best cover, or they'll deal with whatever cover they got close to their best food. I think there's a think, way to tell.
0: When it gets this cold, it's the they'll it's probably the deal with whatever food they got close to the best yeah. cover. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Are, are you gonna sit in the house with the stove turned up or the refrigerator open? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> when it's five <laughs> degrees outside. Yep. Yeah.
1: Right. Yep.
3: You're gonna turn the stove up, and you're gonna, you know, walk over to the refrigerator, right? <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess being this cold, day, uh, getting up and moving to food ain't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And the, you form. know,
0: feeding does keep them warm. But, yeah. I mean, they're only gonna feed. They're gonna feed five times a day, and they're not gonna do it all day long. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you could have these great, lush green food plots or whatever. Brassicas this time of year they're still green whatever it is or beans that are still standing uh if you don't have good winter cover for them they're probably not gonna be in there eating it because they can't get out of the cold anywhere uh, and if they are eating it, it's probably gonna be at night you know because they're traveling to it from that better cover in my
1: mind you said you got mineral uh that you keep out you do it year round i've thought about trying to do that um uh-huh uh i suppose i'd heard a guy say anyway that that's one of the best things you can do for them this time of year is when they need it most
2: i haven't so much lately because i got out of the hunting for a yeah while.
1: yeah but back when i was hardcore in it all the time i
2: always had uh, minerals and I have a mineral lick somewhere especially close to uh a food plot that i had planted you know yeah so not, not, now there's a difference between attractants and minerals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you go to Walmart and stuff like, you know, you get your, well, what is it, pure cane or whatever. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Or like
0: the buck jam or whatever. They yeah. that, that. that. <laughs> That's attractants. Yeah.
2: You know, and yeah. don't come do deer, that. Come here, deer. Yeah. Yeah. Come here, <laughs> deer. You know, that's, that's attractive. So you got to kind of know the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, forget the attractants. You yeah. just
3: call that cocaine till the cartels sued them, and they can't call that <laughs> right. anymore. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, seriously. Well, they used to call it
2: cocaine. I don't know if the cartels was involved or not. But, uh, yeah. I remember seeing the, the bag. Yeah. The deer mm-hmm. cocaine, yeah. Deer and cocaine. Now it's just cane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There so, you are. Okay. But, you know, know the difference between attractants and yeah. minerals. Yeah, yeah. You know, forget your attractants this time of year. They, oh, yeah. You know, put the minerals out there and yeah. feed them all year long. Yeah. And, and that's another way that you can get the deer used to coming to your property. You know, they're seeking out something on your property that their properties don't offer. Yeah.
0: And uh, where an attractant won't have any nutritional value and for them. It has none. A mm-hmm. mineral has nutritious value for them and acts as an attractant of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and they're attracted to it, obviously. A lot of that stuff, they make different flavors and all that
2: stuff, too. Well, it's just like a, oh, what the hell was that? Uh, it wasn't a salt block, but trophy rock. Trophy rock. Yeah. You know, I it's love mineral rock. Mm-hmm. I, it's a mineral rock. Rock. I love that rock. Yep. Uh, and one thing about that, the trophy rock is even during the rain and stuff, it doesn't just dissipate off. Yeah. You know, it's there during. You know, it ain't like it's there during a dry, and then you get an inch rain, it's gone. You got to replace it. You know, it it withstands all that. The deer use it, and they'll they'll dig a well out wherever you put it at.
1: Yeah, yeah. The I know biologists have said, um, uh, you know, they need they need those trace minerals and all that mm -hmm. year round. You know, uh, and I guess that kind of goes back to uh, uh, we were talking before we started recording taking vitamins. You know, Mm -hmm. I suppose there's no measurable way. To know if it helps or not but it can't hurt right yeah Yeah. Uh, and it's got to be good for them you know because they come to it all the time yeah
2: and you know i'm and i'm not plugging i'm not plugging trophy rock by any means you know there's other uh products out there that's just as good or probably better i don't know but that's just what i've experienced you know experimented with and there's a lot of other you know majority of it's
1: salt oh yeah oh yeah
2: but there's other trace minerals in it also you know that uh, the deer needs for nutrition <laughs> and stuff and so you know find something that suits you and attracts the deer and what you think they need on your property and as far as minerals or trophy rock or whatever you know something like that I wouldn't suggest just throwing out a mineral block or a cow or a salt block that cows use because their nutritional needs are different than what deer are. Mm. But, you know, find something, do your research, put that out there, uh, especially during the green-up because that's when the deer use it the most, you know, and put something out there that's, that your neighbors don't have that's going to bring the deer into you you not know, only in the spring and summer, but also in the fall and during hunting season. Uh, the biggest, I think, thing about the minerals
0: is that probably gets them a bad rap is guys go in buying minerals expecting to turn a 150 inch deer into a 200 inch deer because they've been putting minerals out for them.
2: Yeah, it don't happen.
0: No. I mean, and that's where I think a lot of guys are like, well, they don't work. It didn't do anything for my deer. Well, it's not that they're going to magically grow big racks on deer. But they provide a lot of stuff for the deer that they're not going to be able to get in the,
3: especially now when everything's dead from anywhere else. Well, I think Uh, that's a testament, you know, Nate said something about a biologist saying, you know, that just a testament that the deer either don't have the food naturally or aren't as interested in going as far for the better food. They're going to eat what they have in front of them. And then this helps them. And it's all about the health of the herd. If those minerals help. Your herd in the winter time, you're going to have a healthier herd, which in turn means bigger racks. Yeah. Eventually, it's not yeah. magic, but yeah. right.
1: Give them the best potential. Yeah. set them up right. Yeah, set
3: them up, set him up, him up right potential. because there's
2: more. There's more to racks than just uh, nutrition. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's just like the uh, holding the deer factors. You know, uh, I keep pointing on food, cover, and water. Well, the same way with racks, you got nutrition genetics and so you you gotta have a combination of both of those to get the kind of deer that you're really wanting right and we
0: talked about that uh it's been a few weeks ago now um like the doe's nutrition of them will make as big a difference in that buck's antlers and potential Mm -hmm. as the like the genetics from the buck so if you're putting those minerals out for the doe's if they're getting that what they need now that they weren't before are you going to notice a difference in the buck
3: antlers i mean possibly potentially you got to remember most of the does right now are are with fawn yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying yeah so they're they're growing fetal right development
0: yeah.
1: yes absolutely
0: but again it's not magic but if you're putting that stuff out there uh, i don't see how it could hurt
1: I got Kaylee taking all kind of vitamins, big handfuls of them right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey,
0: like, like you said, it, it might my, not help, my, my. but boy, it can't hurt, <laughs> that's right? That's right. But that's, uh, <laughs> coming in without a plan today or tonight. I think that's pretty much, we still got covered some good stuff, hopefully. So that's pretty much going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening guys. Um, Hopefully, it, we're at least a little bit entertaining, even though we didn't have the guest. We'll have him on next week, hopefully. That's the plan as of right now. So,
2: Well, my goal is to keep this entertaining. Well,
3: <laughs> well,
0: I don't know how good you're doing. I guess we'll see. If you guys think it's entertaining, leave us a review. That's a good way to support us. Go to iTunes. Do that. Check out our website, richhunteroutdoors.com. If you need anything on there, you guys can get a hold of us through that. So, And if you ever have any questions, feel free to ask there, and we'll cover them on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys again next Friday.